declared independence and freedom from the oppression and the tyranny of England. Thomas Jefferson wrote in the Declaration of Independence, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, and among these are life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments have instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish and institute new government, laying its foundations on such principles and organizing its power in such form as to them so shall seem most likely to affect their safety and their happiness. Now, to our benefit, many of the signers of the declaration were pastors. Let's write that down. We have sermon notes for you in your bulletin. They were godly men who feared the Lord. They preached the word. They helped construct our new laws, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. But independence is a very interesting concept, and it can be misunderstood. If the ones declaring independence have no moral compass, independence is simply rebellion. If the ones claiming independence have no rule of law to put in its place, it is anarchy. What is anarchy? It is a state of disorder due to the absence or non-recognition of authority. Independence can be good when moral, God-fearing people are in leadership, but independence can be very destructive for any of us when there are no boundaries. I would suggest this morning that there's a great difference today between the independence that we declared from England versus today's understanding of independence. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will speak to us today by the Holy Spirit. Lord, teach us what independence means. Teach us, Lord, what interdependence means. And Father, may we be followers of you, completely yielding and surrendering ourselves to your way and your plan In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Independence today is truly more like rebellion. We want our freedom to do what we want to do. Peace, love, and rock and roll, right? Or as we shared on graduation Sunday, 18-year-old adults want their independence from their parents, but they have no means to sustain it. Kind of reminds me of a story, a story we've all heard before. Let's turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, we're going to be reading verses 11 through 24. Then Jesus said to them, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portions of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Verse 13. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all that he had and journeyed into a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. And when he had spent all, 
there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer even worthy to be called your son. Just make me like one of your hired servants. So he arose and he came to his father. And when he was still a great way off, his father saw him. And had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him and and said to his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servant, put bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring out the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry for my son was dead. And now he is alive again. He was lost, but now he was found. And they began to be merry. The spirit of independence is a spirit of selfishness. Write that down. Selfishness. When husbands leave their wives or wives leave their husbands, it is selfishness. Is everybody with me? It is selfishness. The prodigal son had an independent spirit. He did not want to work for his father. In fact, he didn't want to work at all. But he took his father's money, the the, the money that his father worked so hard to earn. And he wasted it with partying and drunkenness with prostitutes. And when he had spent all that he had, then he began to be in want. Church, this lifestyle will completely drain you. It will take your very last penny. Teenagers, listen to this story. A life of doing whatever you want and going with friends and partying lasts only for a moment and then it's over. And those friends are gone and you are left alone, independent. And those so-called friends, they won't be there anymore. Isn't it interesting that worldly friends fade away when you don't want to go and party with them anymore? Isn't that interesting? They say they're your friends, but they're really not. The prodigal son was penniless, he was homeless, he was hungry. And he ended up taking a job with a pig farmer. Now to us, that may just sound really gross. But to a Jew, to a Jew... Whom pork is unclean, it's not kosher, it's an abomination. This was the lowest of the low. And this is what independent living gets you. He was so hungry, he was so desperate that he almost ate the pig slop, the husks, the pods from beans, the peels of potatoes. And then he came to himself and he said, how many of my father's servants have Enough food to eat and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will return to my father and tell him that I have sinned, and I'm, I'm no longer worthy to be called his son. Just make me a servant. But when he was a long way off, 
His father was looking for him. And I just want to say to you today, if you're a prodigal, your father is looking for you. And he's not going to beat you up when you get back home. The scripture is very clear that the father was looking for him and he had compassion on him and he ran to him and he embraced him and he kissed him and he loved him. And he said, bring out a robe and bring out a ring and put sandals on his feet because my son that was lost is now found. He was dead, but now he's alive. And let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. That's what God will do for you today if you return to him. There will be a celebration. Amen. Hallelujah. Church, listen. Independence is a lie from the enemy. Write that down. It is a lie from the enemy. As I shared with our teenagers on graduation Sunday, there's a strong pull towards independence. Yet it's, it's not the healthy independence that all parents want for their children. A- amen. Parents want independence for their children. We want our children to grow up and, and be on their own and, own and have the means to sustain it. But it is today's independence is a spirit of selfishness. Write this down. It's freedom from authority. It's a throwing off of the yoke of the parents. Nobody telling me what to do. I can do whatever I want to do. But see, that's what Satan wants. Listen. That's what Satan wants. Satan wants to get you alone. Satan tempts you and lures you away from the protection of your family with his intent to destroy your life. Hence the prodigal son. How many people ever watch Shark Week on Discovery? Anybody watch Shark Week on Discovery? Got a couple takers. I I love Shark Week. Ruthie's like, really? This is what we're going to watch? I'm like, yeah. Okay, so this week's, uh, we learned about uh, sharks and dolphins. They don't mix very well. But the dolphins, the dolphins stay together in pods or schools. And if you've ever seen, whether on, on Discovery or National Geographic, there's like a lot of these dolphins, like 30 or 40, and they stay together and they just... They do this little jumping thing and they're really, really safe when they stay in the pods. Well, they were finding, scientists were finding um, dolphins with like like a chunk taken out of their fin and and like bite marks on their side. And and then some were just dead floating there. And they're like, what is going on? This must be a big animal that's getting these... uh, Dolphins, And so they observed, they tried to follow this certain pod of of dolphins and they observed sharks were following them. And the way that the sharks got the dolphins is when they went down to feed, the the little sardines and little fish are not always, um, they're usually at the top, but sometimes they're not and sometimes they have to go down low. They actually showed these dolphins putting their, Uh, snout down into the sand and pulling out uh, whatever, crustaceans and little fish and little things like that. And so when they would all go down and they would all put their little noses in the sand, there would always be one that was on the fringe a little too far out from the rest. And that shark would place himself in between the pod, the whole group, and that one. 
the natural tendency of all dolphins is to go back to their pod. But once they were separated, the, the shark knew exactly what he was going to do. He was going to circle back around and try to get back with his pod. And the shark just took him out. When we get separated from the body, when Satan can lure us away and we're just floating alone, that's when Satan can take us out. Amen? But God did not create us to be alone, church. He did not create us to be independent. Let me share with you God's design. Because when we follow God's design, then we're going to find fulfillment in life. Then we will fulfill our purposes. When God created Adam, he gave him responsibilities. He he had him name all the animals. God brought the animals to Adam to see what he would call them. But for Adam, the scripture says there was not a suitable helpmate. And God said this, it is not good. Let's write that down. It is not good that man is alone. So I will make a helper comparable to him. From the very beginning of time, God meant for mankind not to be independent, but to be interdependent, interdependent upon one another. God made woman to work alongside and complement the man. Then God gave the command for marriage. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined unto his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. God designed the family unit for love and for care and provision and instruction and protection. We need a family. Amen? We need a family. Just like an 18-year-old and a 19-year-old still need their family, we need a family. Now an 18-year-old, they do not think they need a family. But let's just look at it practically really quick. Can an 18-year-old afford a house payment? No. Can they afford the electric bill, gas bill, taxes on the property, house insurance, car, car payment, car insurance, gas, phone, internet, cable? How about groceries? I did a little investigation. Average, average cost of groceries for a family of four. What do you think? Paul Mitchell, what do you think? A week, a week. Yeah. Higher. 200. The average cost of groceries today, average family with four in the family, just four in the family, mom, dad, and two kids, $200. Okay. Oh, my word. An 18-year-old is probably going to make, if, if, if you get a really decent job, $9 an hour. And if an 18-year-old worked 40 hours in that week, they would bring home a, a whopping $360. Okay? Once the government gets a hold of their part, you now have 300 You might be able to pay your phone bill. Or maybe you could pay the internet bill. Or maybe you could pay your car payment and insurance. But you're never going to be able to afford house payment or rent or taxes or electric or gas or waste collection or water or sewage or any of these things. It's impossible. Even if you moved out, you would have to move in with someone who provided the foundation of those things. Grandparents, family, friend, roommate. Does that make sense? 
Does that make sense? You need your family. And that's the way God created it. We need each other in order to function. And since you need them, young adult, and since you can't necessarily pay for it in dollars and cents, God intends for you to pay for it in honor and respect and obedience. I've added obedience. Write obedience down. So we're in the margin. So we learn that we need each other, but not only in the physical realm, we need each other spiritually. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And let's start with verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all of the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether we're Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we've all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact the body is not one member but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If if the whole were a hearing, where would the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members and yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Nor again to the the head, to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor and our presentable parts have greater modesty. Verse 24, but our presentable parts have... No need, but God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it, that there should be no division in the body, that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the other members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, then all the other members rejoice with them. Now, you are the body of Christ and members individually. When you were born again, you were born and placed into Christ's body. The hand, of course, is connected to the arm, right? And just as our hand cannot function independent from the body, nor can we, the hand has a role. The hand grasps the hand, opens doors, it washes our face, it washes our body, it puts food puts food in our mouth, it ties our shoes, it helps us care for our children. But the hand does not function unless it's connected to the arm, right? Right. No arm, no hand. There is no independent part of the body. You see, the hand receives blood from the heart through the arm. The hand receives electrical impulses to squeeze and to open to point and to hold. And with those electrical impulses, your hand, without those electrical impulses, your hand can't do anything. It cannot open, it cannot close, it cannot point. 
So here's what we're learning. Number one, don't have an independent spirit. You can't do anything without the other parts of the body. You need them. So remain humble. Verse 21 goes on to to say, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Although you may feel like you can make it on your own, you can't. You need the body and that's the way God designed it. Number two, God made you to serve. Think about the hand. What does it do? It serves the entire body. The hand cares for the body, feeds, washes, dresses. And God made you to serve one another. And God made us to be a family. No one should ever have a need in this church that we cannot meet together. Amen? And not only did God make us to serve, he also wants others to serve you. You are not alone. You may be single, you may be widowed, but you are not alone, nor does God intend you, intend for you to be. He says that you are part of a family. You have brothers and you have sisters who are to care for you, whom you are to care for. Have you ever heard the term spiritual mother? Spiritual father? Well, sure. These are spiritual surrogate parents that have stepped into your life to be a a mother figure, to be a, a father figure in Christ. They help you grow. They encourage you in Christ. They provide a model for us. I just want to say to you, if you've come here alone, you are not alone You have spiritual parents here. You have brothers and sisters. And we are your family. Under membership. And there's a very practical way that this happens. It happens through church membership. Many people don't understand that. But church membership is the place where you make it known. I concur with the church doctrine here. I will follow Christ through discipleship. I'm going to be praying daily. I'm going to be reading the scriptures daily. I'm going to get involved in a Sunday school class. I'm going to make a commitment to serve. Sign me up. I'm going to go to the little bike parade or I'm going to be involved in being an usher, being a greeter, joining the choir. I'm going to help at events that we have. I will support the church financially and I will submit to the leadership of the church When you make that commitment, when you make that covenant, that is the tie that binds us together through Jesus Christ. So if you aren't a member here yet, get signed up for the new community class. Because this is where it all begins. Under life groups, once you make a commitment or a covenant with us, we invite you to be part of a life group. What is a life group? It's a group of church members. You see, you've got to make a commitment first. It's a group of church members who have committed themselves together for a two-year period. And for all practical purposes, this becomes your personal church 
family. Well, let's be real. We're all family, right? We all should care for one another. But the tough part is organizationally. How do we organize this? How can we provide care for everyone in the entire church? Well, it's difficult, but it's not impossible. At Christian Heritage, we have organized for this around our life groups. Our life groups meet on the first and the third Sunday evening of every month. Most meet in homes to study God's word and for fellowship. Fellowship is me caring for you and you caring for me. Life groups provide you a smaller group of people to care for. For instance, 12 people instead of 300 people, right? Life groups commonly share meals together. Some have provided transportation for one another. I remember the first life group that Ruthie and I belonged to here at Christian Heritage. There was a time when we couldn't pick up our girls from work. Allie worked at Red Robin and Anna worked at Panera Bread. And there were times when we were just unable, either I was out of town and we were just unable to pick up the girls. And so we called somebody in our life group and they said, oh, we're glad to pick up your girls. And we were like a family. I mean, we really, really interacted like a family. Our girls had aunts and grandmas in the faith. Amen? And this is what it's supposed to be like, church. We babysit for one another. We share serious financial requests. We share serious health issues. Write this down. Life groups make hospital visits to one another. They come in and they pray for one another. They lay hands on one another. Amen? We provide meals for one another in times of crisis. We celebrate births. Some have had baby showers. Most groups have helped one another move. Yes, they help each other move. We become a family and that's what God intends. So don't remain independent, but join in the body and the beauty of inter. Dependence. Some of you, you've been coming to Christian Heritage for quite some time and you're still not in a life group. Talk to Pastor Elise about being in a life group. Some of you are brand new here. You've not gone through the new community class. Go through the new community class. Okay? Go through the new community class that we can get you involved in life groups. Because God does not want you to be alone. He has made us a family. Would you bow your heads with me? Dan, would you just put on some soft music? With every head bowed and every eye closed, we always want to take time to find out if everyone is serving the Lord, if everyone knows Christ as their Savior. And we're aware that every Sunday is an opportunity. If you're seated anywhere from our middle aisle over towards this piano side on this bottom section and you don't know Christ, but you want to know Christ. Or maybe you're saying, I need to return to Christ. We want to pray for you. If that's you, would you just raise your hand high enough so I can see it and we'll pray with you. I need Jesus Christ. Christians, let's be praying. Is there anyone on this lower section?
Anyone in the balcony today, I need Jesus Christ as my personal Savior or I'm going to return to Christ. Maybe you're seated the opposite side in this lower section. I need Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I need, I need to surrender to Him. I need to be born again. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I need Jesus Christ. Maybe you're seated in the balcony. I need Jesus Christ. I want to make a commitment to Him. We'll believe then that everyone is born again. And let me invite you to stand. We're going to close our service in a different way today. I'm going to invite everyone, if you would just kind of move across the aisles. We're going to join together. We're going to join hands. And I'm going to pray a closing prayer over us. Probably better back up there, Ruthie. You're you're a soul dolphin. You don't want to get sharked. All right, very good. Look at this. You guys are awesome. I didn't even have to tell you. Hallelujah. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we want to thank you for freedom. We are so grateful for the many blessings you have bestowed upon us. Lord, today as we hold hands with the person next to us, we thank you for the body of Christ. We are not alone. We don't have to go through life by ourselves. Father, help us to care deeply for one another. Help us to serve each other. Help us to edify and encourage each other. Lord, today we repent for being independent. And we commit ourselves to the interdependence with the body of Christ. Be glorified in our care and our service to one another, Lord. Bring revival, Lord, as we commit to one another. Bring revival, Lord, and start with us. God, we commit ourselves to interdependent living with Jesus Christ and with our brothers and sisters. And now, Lord, we ask for your help. Help us, Lord, not to be selfish. Help us to open our eyes and be compassionate towards one another. Jesus, you said, lift up your eyes and look unto the harvest. You are moved with compassion. God, may we lift up our eyes and look at one another and be moved with compassion and serve each other. Because, Lord, we know this brings you glory. We ask all of this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And everyone said, Amen. Before you leave, give three people a great big hug. There are no services tonight. Enjoy your holiday. God bless you.